4: Presented by AT&T. Connecting
1: changes everything. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. We've all just finished celebrating July the 4th. Celebrating the greatest country in the world, America. Can you imagine... At the celebration, hearing shots ring out, then screams. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. Take a listen to this, our friends at NBC.
5: From every angle, chaos, confusion and carnage. A July 4th celebration through the center of town transformed into a mass casualty incident. Active shooter call in Highland Park. Police say the gunman took a sniper-like position, firing onto the parade from a roof using a
6: high-powered rifle. I picked up my kids and we ran again. I put them in a garbage dumpster and then I ran back to look for my, my partner and her daughter. And, um, and I saw people shot on the ground. The attack
5: sending crowds scrambling, panicked parents trying to protect their children. Just
6: this
7: horrific pow, pow, pow. <laughs> and then you heard people screaming, bodies down, you know, run for your life. That's what I heard.
1: Joining us right now an All-Star panel, but first let me go to Lynn Sweet with the Washington Bureau. She is the chief for the Chicago Sun-Times and a witness. Lynn, thank you for being with us. What happened?
8: Well, thank you. Uh I I am usually in Washington as the Washington bureau chief for the Chicago Sun-Times, but on July 4th, I was in this suburb about 30 miles north of downtown Chicago just to enjoy the Highland Park 4th of July parade. I have family here, been coming to this parade for years. There was a hiatus because of COVID. What happened very briefly is I was at the beginning of the parade near where the floats were assembling. And all of a sudden, I saw a sea of panicked people running towards me, racing towards me. Uh, somebody, I said, you know, what happened? Somebody said, a shooter. The enormity of what that meant did not strike me until a few minutes later, when I made my way to the main parade route, a street called Central Avenue, downtown Highland Park. And I saw what no one wants to see. I saw uh, women and men who were wounded, and I saw, sad to say, bodies, lots of blood. And what the moment that is frozen in time, Nancy, is how people just abandoned everything they had. You know, their summer beach chairs, the blankets, knapsacks, especially baby buggies. Parents usually know, you just don't leave a baby buggy around, but that's how scary the situation must have been, that everyone who had a baby in a baby carriage just grabbed their child and ran. With me is Lynn Swee,
1: the Washington Bureau Chief for the Chicago Sun-Times. Lynn, you just described something that always struck me when I would go to crime scenes. The smallest things, even in murder cases, would somehow take on a poignancy, I, I. I find it hard to describe Lynn just described a mass shooting scene and she makes her way to it and finds baby buggies, uh, party accoutrements. They're there for July the 4th. Tell me Lynn, when you first heard the word
8: shooter. So what you, if you're saying, so what went through my mind, Uh I thought, was this a firecracker? Was it a firework? And even as I was making my way to the to the main part of the parade, I was thinking, this is a lot of people to be running this scared if it was just one shot. But it, it didn't escape me. One shot would have been enough to have sent everybody reeling. The enormity of this being a mass killing with a uh, rapid-fire assault-like weapon with a high-capacity magazine, Uh, which we would know more about later, Uh, as I was making my way there and saw all the carnage, I realized how fast this had to happen. Uh, And then, you know, some people told me, boom, 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 you know, about the rapid fire sequence that they heard. And that, it's what you know, how fast this destruction can happen. And the point for me, and I wrote this in my column that's at SunTimes.com. I've been covering uh, massacres since Col- Columbine in 1999. But it's been Washington, congressional debate, gun laws. This time, on this July 4th, I was there. Can I ask you, Lynn, what led you to go toward w- what was happening and not run away? Nancy, pl- I, I, it didn't dawn on me not to. And to anyone who's listening, it's it's just not about me. You don't need to have any fuss about me. It never dawned on me not to do it. It, it just, uh, I just went. I've been a reporter a long time. Uh, I'm from this community. I understood something terrible was happening. It just never dawned on me not to go see what happened. I'm just imagining if I had my twins, you know, I've got boy-girl twins at a July
1: 4th festival or parade and all of a sudden everybody starts running and screaming I, 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 like my daughter when she is approached with a scary situation she freezes other people run was there anybody left or had
8: was it just cleared out like in a movie? There were people there and one other thing again I, I, I do kind of like want to minimize what I did if I had children with me probably would have made sure, you know, depending on the age, if I had babies with me, I wouldn't have gone. I, I'm not silly. You don't do that. Nancy, if you were alone and you were with me, you might've gone too. Well, I would want to find out what was happening and see if anybody was hurt that maybe we could help or something What for whatever reason. And so when I was there, uh, the spectators were gone. There were people who were trying. Uh, I, I have vivid images of people leaning over the wounded, Uh, people who put blankets uh, over the dead. Uh, And then some people who surmised that it was over were hanging around watching. But I do, the thought did go through my mind that the shooter had not been caught. I asked some law enforcement people who were really in a rush, you know, just I quickly said, is the shooter here? And they said, they don't know. So I was aware that a shooter was at large, active shooting scene. I looked around, but I'm there in a professional capacity. Frankly, if I was just not there to work, I don't know why I would have stuck around. You you catch a look at what's going on and then you leave out of prudence
1: especially though lynn and when you think about people like eric rudolph remember him the olympic bomber i was there that night working in the da's office the night of the olympic bombing i was there when the bomb went off and immediately started taking witness statements and trying to figure out what had happened within an hour we were interviewing witnesses do you know what he went on to do bomb an abortion clinic my investigator went to the scene of the bombing of the abortion clinic, and then he had it rigged so another explosion would happen, and that shrapnel actually hit my investigator. So you're right. If he, if the shooter had not been apprehended, there's a huge possibility there could be more,
8: more killings. Well, he, here's the thing. Also, at the moment, who knew if this was really a lone gunman? Who knew if this was an organized terrorism attack? Who knew what? So, uh, in terms of how other people responded who were not directly there to help people, I don't know why they stuck around. There weren't many. Most of the people fled. I thought, in the end, it was not as chaotic as some people have described it, only because, from my point of view, did it result in everybody leaving quickly. Okay, so you have a little point of view if everybody leaves quickly then then to me it's over it it, it by definition can't be that chaotic even though i understand why people said it who are in the midst of it Uh, a real chaotic thing is when people don't know to leave can't leave feel trapped right Can't get away, like in a
1: concert or something. And there you hear in the midst of a mass shooting, Lynn Sweet, the the bureau chief for the Chicago Sun-Times in Washington, is there in the midst of it. And you just heard one parent hid their children in trash cans. Take a listen to our friends at ABC
6: We all actually came out for a family outing. My husband works at Gearhead and uh, we brought our three and one year old out and my in-laws were with us. And um, I was holding my one year old and behind us, I thought there was a sound of fireworks. And um, seconds later, I realized that that's not what it was. So I, I believe I hit the ground with my daughter. And I remember looking around trying to figure out where the sound was coming from. And I, in fact, looked up Um, at the neighboring business across the street and saw the shooter on the roof Um, and I just I screamed that it was a shooter and I got my daughter and we ran into my husband's store and I yelled for my son and my mother and father-in-law and we all were able to get in safely as my husband helped a whole bunch of other patrons get away from the danger.
1: Lynn Sweet with me, who, uh, not only the Washington Bureau Chief, Chicago Sun Times, but there at the mass shooting. How many lives have been confirmed, claimed as a result of this one guy?
8: As of last night, I was at the briefing that the law enforcement uh, community put together. Uh, so far, we have seven dead, six have been identified, dozens injured.
9: If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. Maybe you've tried vaping, thought it wasn't your thing. Maybe you've heard of smokeless nicotine products, but aren't familiar with the options. Meet Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch. Zinn nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn
12: Follow impromptu now, wherever you listen.
1: Prime Stories with Nancy Grace. Joining me is Lisa Fine Cavalli, a survivor of the Mandalay shooting in Vegas. You can find her. She's the co-founder of Route 91 Strong. Lisa, what is all of this when you're hearing uh, our our friend Lynn Sweet describe the shooting where all of these lives were just ripped away for nothing what is that evoking in you
4: you know Nancy, it reminds me of the war zone that opened up in front of twenty two thousand of us at the concert in Vegas, and it was absolutely horrific and I can only
1: imagine what that was like there because I've lived it myself. Guys, take a listen to our cut five. Our friends at ABC.
6: I just looked up. I uh, it was like a dream. I like I was like this isn't real. That's all I could say to myself is this isn't real. But I needed everybody to know that there was a shooter, so I was just screaming that, and I just. He, I just I saw a long hair and I saw a gun and that's all I could tell anybody but I, I when I ran in the store I was just like Tony, I saw him, Tony, I saw him and it was we just ran down into the basement and we were just shaking and crying. It was horrific.
1: And also from our friends at NBC.
5: Dr. David Baum along with Dr. Lauren Schechter were at the parade with their families initially running for safety then turning back around and treating the wounded. All of a sudden there was a stampede. Of people coming, and then I realized it was gunshots. And I literally just thought to myself, "This is this is how it's going to end." At least six people shot and killed; more than thirty injured. The doctors couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was quite a horrific scene. As first responders tried to save lives, authorities launched a countywide dragnet looking for the shooter.
1: Now, take a listen to our friends at WLS.
13: <laughs> Cell phone video capturing the sound of gunfire during Highland Park's July 4th parade. This morning, police say the gunman was perched atop a roof, firing at parade-goers who just gathered to celebrate the holiday.
7: Everyone was basically running, screaming, there's a shooter, there's a shooter.
13: Officials say at least six people were killed and more than 30 injured. Parade-goers taking cover anywhere they could. For three hours, Donald Johnson hid in a gas station.
12: There were six or seven children crying their eyes out, and the mothers finally got them settled down by singing the wheels on the bus go round and round.
13: The scene...
1: Is horrific, the thought of mothers hiding with their children, trying to calm them down by singing, the wheels on the bus go round and round, over and over and over. To David Katz, former senior special agent with the DEA, founder and CEO of global security group, Eek, and active shooter response expert, David, weigh in. This was all planned out. So far at that juncture, they have an ID on a lone shooter, white male, long hair, one gun. Jump in.
6: Yeah, I mean,
2: this is just a, a story that repeats itself, sadly. Every time we speak about an incident like that, I always make the point that once you once you get further along in the investigation, you're going to see what? You're going to see not warning signs, but screaming neon signs that this person announced to the entire world that they were violent, they would act violently, and still, despite everything we've seen, despite every single tragic incident, despite hearing stories with mothers and their children, and it, nothing changes.
1: Nothing changes. Did you notice that the witness said the shooter had positioned himself on top of a building. Lisa Fine Cavalli, who survived the Mandalay shooting, that's exactly what the Mandalay shooter did in Vegas. He had everybody trapped. You know, there were concerts going on. Nobody could really get out. And he was perched on a high location shooting out of a room. Yeah. It was like just a repeat of what happened almost five years ago.
4: And, it is, it is happening over and over again. And what is really, really uh, hitting my soul is that these families, these children, mothers, fathers, grandparents, I mean, families
1: are going to be changed for the rest of their life. The rest of their lives. You know, Lisa, I remember I was in New York, in New York City on September 11, uh, working at Court TV. And for months and months after, for a long time, there was a no-fly zone over the city. The first time I saw an airplane go over the city, I was on a treadmill. I jumped off the treadmill instinctively and jumped down on the ground. Because once you live through something like that, you're never the same, much less losing your family member, your loved one, a friend in the tragedy. And Dale Carson joining me, high-profile lawyer out of Jacksonville, former FBI agent and cop and author. He's at DaleCarsonLaw.com. Dale, it's an instinct you never get over. Um, like Lisa is saying, that feeling like you're trapped like a rat, you don't know where the gunshots are coming from, you're in a crowd, everybody's screaming, everybody's running, you may have your children with you. That's horrible.
12: Nancy, when I was in the FBI in Atlanta, I worked on the tactical team. And I can just tell you that these individuals are using history to make their killings even more effective. That elevated shooting position is the most dangerous. And the result is that you run toward the shooter, not away from them, because it makes it more difficult to get hit. And they know this. And as we move along here, things are going to get more and more worse, difficult with these copycat shootings that emulate what other people have successfully done. And it gets back to the history of these individuals. Who, why are they so angry? What's making them behave this way?
1: And there are going to be neon signs, as David Katz just said, uh, with Global Security Group, Inc., that nobody picks up until this happens. Take a listen to Hour Cut 7, our friends at CBS. Five people died on the scene here.
0: Another died at a nearby hospital. And among the dozens of victims, people shot here at this 4th of July parade. The oldest victim, 85 years old. The youngest, just eight. A sudden burst of gunfire 10 minutes after the start of a 4th of July parade sent parade participants and spectators running for their lives. Police had the gunmen open fire from a nearby rooftop.
14: I just remember seeing like smoke on the ground. I remember hearing shootings and going like Tsh! that's all, and then reloading and then again and people screaming and running. It was just really traumatizing and
0: scary a scene of chaos with lawn chairs bicycles and strollers left behind scattered along the parade route as people scrambled for safety
1: to david katz a former special agent with dea founder ceo global security inc you already have one witness saying it was a white male with long hair and a single gun what should be done in a situation like that to catch the perp
2: well, exactly what was done. This is a little legwork. I mean, you're running the gun. You're finding the identity, per- identity purchaser. Then, of course, you have cameras. You may have eyewitnesses. Once the once the perpetrator gets off the, the roof, maybe you have an, an eyewitness putting the putting him in a car. Maybe a camera shot puts him in a car. Now you have a license. Now you have a registration. Now you have a camera, a, a license plate photo, and then of course, once you have an identification on a vehicle well now it's only a matter of he's riding by he goes by a police officer he has he has a license plate reader he has i don't know that particular area a bridge toll or tunnel so it's only a matter of time before you're going to get a hit on the tag he's driving
1: or it may dale carson just be luck like with timothy Vay and the oklahoma city bombing he was pulled over on a traffic offense And as I recall, they found indications of fertilizer and more in his trunk used to create a bomb. That was a fluke, remember?
12: That's exactly right. That was really unusual. But here I understand that that civilians actually saw the car, which was fairly notable, and the tag, and were able to contact law enforcement, who then stopped him, finding that he was armed yet again in that particular
1: vehicle and lo and behold who does he turn out to be a rapper wannabe take a listen hour cut nine this is the highland park police chief lou jogman
7: what i can tell you at this moment was approximately 15 minutes ago uh the subject that we were looking for the person of interest robert cremo the third uh was spotted by a north chicago unit uh at buckley and 41 his vehicle the vehicle that we were looking for uh, he uh, initiated, uh, attempted to initiate a traffic stop on that subject. That subject did flee. Uh, a brief pursuit uh, was, uh, had went on. Uh, ultimately they were able to get the subject stopped uh, at Wesley and 41 in Lake Forest. Uh, the subject was taken into custody without incident. So at this point, I, again, want to reiterate, uh, things are moving very quickly, as they do, unfortunately. And we just want to keep you updated with the most uh, relevant information. The purse of interest is now being taken to the Highland Park Police Department, where we're going to begin the, um, you know, the next phase of the investigation and speak with this person to make sure or see if, in fact, he is connected to this incident.
1: Joining me right now, special guest, Dr. Jillian Peterson, forensic psychologist, professor of criminal justice at Hamline University in St. Paul, and expert on mass shootings. She is the author of The Violence Project, How to Stop a Mass Shooting Epidemic. We need you now more than ever, Dr. Jillian Peterson. What do you make of what we know right now? about not only the shooting itself, but the shooter. Yeah, a lot of the things that are emerging about this perpetrator are really similar
14: to things that we see again and again and again. we studied 180 of these perpetrators. So the fact that he was 21, the fact that he's posting things online, really interested in violence, has a history of threatening his family members, has a history of suicidality and attempting suicide. A lot of this stuff is really consistent, posting on these really dark message boards. What's a little different in this case is actually the fact that he wore a disguise, because usually the perpetrator wants to be known for this. They want their name to make the history books. So throwing on a disguise and leaving the scene is actually something we haven't really seen before.
1: Tell me what you find the most curious or probative about his postings online. You know, some of these message boards
14: online are so dark and so violent, it's hard to pick out sort of which specific post is the one that's going to lead to someone actually doing this. But we do know amongst these perpetrators, they study each other, um, they identify with previous perpetrators, they post violent content. And it's so when you look back, you can just see all these glaring warning signs, like why did
1: somebody pick up on this in his life? When you say dark websites, what do you mean by that? Exactly.
14: Um, I think he was posting on one that's a message board where people post actual images and videos of sort of death and murder and carnage, just really kind of awful stuff that it's hard to imagine anyone wanting to go on and look at for fun, but he was a really frequent poster on that discussion board. His
1: name is Robert Bobby E. Cremo Third, and he performed as a rapper who went by the name Awake. His recent music videos include depictions of mass murder. Now, you know, Dr. Jillian Peterson, if that's not a red flag, I don't know what is. I fully agree with you. It's it's Part of it is I think it's,
14: we think of these as these scary outsiders. So it's hard for parents, neighbors, teachers, friends to think this person posting this stuff could actually do this. Somebody I know could be the person who actually does this. And so we tend to dismiss or explain away all these really clear warning signs, things like posting depictions of mass shootings in your music videos.
1: His most recent video was posted to YouTube, and it shows him standing there in the aftermath of a bloody school shooting. It ends with him draping himself in the American flag. And I want to circle back with you, Dr. Peterson, about that video being draped in the American flag at a mass shooting and this shooting that occurred on July the 4th. Another music video is a cartoon depiction of a man wearing a shirt with his YouTube channel's logo on it, but he's holding a long gun and he gets shot by police. It goes on and on and on. He had his own Discord server where people would chat with him. And um, it was full of nihilistic police themes. It goes on and on. I wish politicians still gave speeches like this. And there was a picture of Bud Dwyer, the state treasurer that shot and killed himself on live TV. I mean, it, when you say dark videos and imagery, you're right. Are you saying that people chose to ignore it or they just couldn't fathom that the guy they thought they knew could do something like this? Yeah, that. So all of that posting
14: is something that we as researchers called leakage. So it is telling people you're thinking about this, posting it, writing it. Um, And when it comes to young shooters, The vast majority, it's about 80% of them, leak their plans ahead of time. So make it known. But yeah, it's sort of we miss the leakage. We don't take it seriously. We can't imagine it could really happen. We don't know who to report to or what to
1: do with it. But I think when we think about preventing the next shooting, that's a really critical piece of it. You know, Dr. Peterson, I remember when I was writing one of my books, my first nonfiction called Objection, I talked, I wrote about uh, blood money. People make money off murder selling, for instance, the killer's hair or even their toenail clippings, if you can imagine, or their drawings or, or bits of pieces from murder scenes, or for instance, selling autopsy photos, which are very, very upsetting. I had to do so much research on that laptop. When I finished the book, I destroyed the laptop. It it just felt like it was cursed. Because there were so many bad images that I had looked up in order to write about them. And we've got this guy frequently posting the message boards discussing graphic, graphic descriptions of murder, suicide, and death. He even posted a picture, a video of a beheading. I mean, for peace sake, if I knew that about my child or someone I loved, I would immediately get help for them because there's something very wrong with that, doctor. Yeah, absolutely.
14: And that's what we need people to do. And it's that on top of the fact that there's 911 calls to the house a couple years prior because he's attempting suicide or because he's threatening to kill his entire family with his knife collection. I mean, when you put it all together, it's hard to believe that no one thought we really need to connect this kid with some sort of resources. This is not OK. And that's what we need people to be doing.
1: And Dr. Peterson, what do you make of his rap persona Awake? You know, I don't know. To me, it's that kind of quest to be known, right? That quest
14: for fame that he wanted people um, to look up to him, to hear what he had to say. And that quest for kind of fame and notoriety is something we see a lot of in mass shooters. And in fact, a lot of times they do this, their final act, so that their name does make the history book, so that they can be known for this in a
1: way that they weren't known in their life. His full name was, quote, Awake. The rapper. Now, having, you know, prosecuted in inner city Atlanta for so many years to live here, you basically have to love rap. You have to know rap. You have to understand rap. But I see him awake. The rapper as using that as a vehicle to disseminate hate, uh, violence. I mean, you can see that in his lyrics and everything he did. Why do you believe that no one seemingly noticed or did anything about it, Dr. Peterson? You know, one thing that I think we're still struggling
14: to figure out is how do you separate the people who end up doing this from other people posting violent content who don't do this, right? And how do you um, criminally charge someone, say, for thinking or talking about violence? We can't do that, right? They have to actually do it. So I think part of it is it's we don't know how to intervene, right? We don't know who to connect this person with. We don't know when to be concerned or when not to be. And so a lot of sort of new research in my area in forensic psychology is really focused on helping
1: us figure this out. You know, this has reminded me of Dr. Jillian Peterson joining us, Professor of Criminal Justice at Saint in St. Paul. Um, we recently covered the case of a handyman who was working for this beautiful young mom. Her name is Sahlia Gall, and if you look at her killer's profile, it's inundated with sex videos, pickup hints, uh, murder scenes, rape scenes, stabbing scenes, and she was stabbed dead uh, nearly 60 times. So I really believe that your social media, what you post is a window into your psyche. I really believe that. I mean, you have people that post all about their children or all about their job or their interests. That's what they're about. And this is what he was posting, doctor. Yeah, I fully
14: agree with you. And I think there's questions about, you know, what responsibility do social media platforms have for looking at this content? Who should be moderating it? When we see something really concerning, who should we be telling? But really, there are people in his life who
1: had to know that this is what he was posting. And that's when we need people to speak up. Take a listen hour, cut 12, our friends at ABC7.
13: Federal authorities are assisting in the investigation and poring over, as I mentioned, Cremo's social media accounts, which were told depict graphic images and violent behavior. We're also told that Cremo will most likely appear in bond court sometime today. Again, the biggest uh, thing we're waiting for right now are those charges. charges, the announcement of the charges. So we're expecting a news conference to happen in about 10 minutes or so, a little more than that here at the Highland Park Police Department. And we expect to learn more about charges being officially filed. Well, we also know Dale Carson joining me,
1: high-profile lawyer out of Jacksonville, former FBI agent. All we're learning about his social media is going to be used by the defense to claim insanity, but Dale Carson, I want you to listen to our Cut 13. This is Lake County Major Crime Task Force Spokesman Chris Cavelli. Listen carefully.
15: We do believe Cremo pre-planned this attack for several weeks. Uh, He brought a high-powered rifle to this parade. He accessed the roof of a business via a fire escape ladder and began opening fire on the innocent Independence Day celebration goers. The rifle was purchased in Illinois and the information we have thus far is that it appears to have been purchased legally by Cremo. Uh, during the attack, Primo was dressed in woman's clothing and investigators do believe he did this to conceal his facial tattoos and his identity and help him during the escape uh, with the other people who were fleeing the chaos. During the attack, we believe that Cremo fired more than 70 rounds from this rifle into the crowd of innocent people.
10: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
12: is going on a road trip. I thought
1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. (music) To Dale Carson, high-profile lawyer, joining me, former Fed with the FBI. He is not insane. Did you hear the pre-planning that was involved?
12: Absolutely. I mean, this is a skill set that's adapted from other shooters' behaviors, and it's what makes them so much more deadly than what would have occurred 40 years ago. And the result ultimately is that people who are around this individual, it's like the frog in the frying pan where the water gets slowly heated because if you're watching him grow up as a child, you think, well, that's not so unusual. That's not so unusual. But from us on the outside, when we look at that child, we go, that person is not right.
1: You know, many people are wondering how he managed to get away from the scene of the shooting. Take a listen, hour cut 14 with the Lake County Major Crime Task Force.
15: Following the attack, Cremo exited the roof. He dropped his rifle and he blended in with the crowd and he escaped. Uh, He walked to his mother's home, who lived in the area, and he blended right in with everybody else as they were running around almost as he was uh, an innocent spectator as well. He borrowed his mother's vehicle. Uh, We issued an alert yesterday afternoon, Chief Jogman provided the vehicle information and Cremo's information. Uh, We're very thankful that an alert member of the community saw Cremo's vehicle traveling southbound on Route 41, dialed 911, an alert North Chicago police officer spotted the vehicle, waited for additional backup units to arrive, conducted a traffic stop, and they were able to safely apprehend Cremo with no injuries to the officers. Inside the vehicle, there was a second rifle located. Uh, indications is that it was purchased by Cremo as well. So
1: I'm trying to figure out what this all means. But to Lisa fine a survivor of the Vegas Mandalay shooting, when you hear all of this about the shooter, in this case, uh, Cremo, 22-year-old rapper wannabe, await the Rapper, what goes through your mind? It makes me concerned
4: about our lives here in America. It makes me feel that how do we stop this? How do we save lives? What are we going to do? We can't go to concerts. Our kids at school are getting killed. Movie theaters, churches, places of work. Nobody is safe anywhere. And it is, it is, it's so beyond that we live in this, you know, in the United States and we are in a war
1: zone while we go out and enjoy our lives. It twists me on the inside to think of all the people who have lost their lives at the hands of some wannabe rapper who dressed like a girl to blend in and get away. This is very, very carefully planned. But this guy, Cremo wasn't always like this take a listen to our cut 16 our friends at cbs news speaking with the highland park mayor
16: we were in the middle of a joyful celebration having not had this parade for two years due to the pandemic it was uh, multi-families deep along the frayed route with a lot of folks shouting out it was really joyful and wonderful um i Noticed the marching band racing down the sidewalk at one point and couldn't understand what they were doing thought maybe they were late for a performance and then suddenly police cars were racing towards us and again it was like well maybe somebody's having a heart attack. It just didn't register that somebody was committing a mass shooting in in my city. My husband was right there. He was right in the viewing stands. Um, And he said it was just measured, pop, 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 pop. And he said that's when they realized after about 15 of those that it wasn't fireworks, that it was gunshots.
10: Mm.
1: Yeah, what can you tell us about the suspect? I've heard that you've had some connection to him in the past.
16: I was his Cub Scout pack leader. He was a little boy at the time. I'm not sure what happened uh, to him to compel him to commit this kind of evil in his hometown.
1: In his own hometown. Joining me right now, longtime friend and colleague, Dr. Michelle Dupree, former forensic pathologist, medical examiner, detective, and author of Homicide Investigation Field Guide. Dr. Dupree, you and I have looked at a lot of crime scenes. You've performed a lot of autopsies. But when there is a mass shooting, I know it affects you in a different way. And then when you hear the shooter was once a Cub Scout, like every other kid, normal, seemingly. When you're doing autopsies or investigating shootings like this, is it hard to fathom the shooter was once a normal kid?
11: Nancy, it is. I mean, this is so horrific. It it's hard to imagine anybody could do this. But someone who has a past of being a, a Cub Scout or Boy Scout, you just don't think of that.
1: It, it's 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 hard. Dr. Dupree, in addition to of course being medical examiner, you're also a detective with Lexington County Sheriff's Department. What can you tell me about the gun used in this case?
11: Well Nancy, this is an um an AR type of a long gun, a rifle. Um, It is high-powered, and the reason it's high-powered is because the bullets, when they come out, they travel so fast, and that's what causes the damage. This type of gun causes enormous damage to the target it hits. I mean, a a wound in a person this size would be the size of an orange or bigger when it exits the body. It's just horrific.
1: What do you make of what the witness said, that there was a measured uh, pause between each shoot, between each Firing
11: well, this type of a a rifle—it's actually a semi-automatic, and so one round is fired with each trigger pull. But you can pull the trigger in rapid succession. So even though it is a semi-automatic, it can it can fire anywhere from thirty to seventy-five rounds per minute. Let me ask you, Doctor Dupree, what the shooting
1: victims—I mean, one victim was shot in a wheelchair. What these victims went through would they, based on what you've just told me about ballistics, would they have survived long enough to understand what was happening to them, to see everybody running and screaming as they bled out?
11: Of course, you know, that depends on where they were shot. I mean, we have one victim that was actually grazed in the leg, and she survived. If you have a direct hit by this in the core of your body, the central part of your body, you are not likely to survive. It's going to be very fast. Um, You are still going to be in shock, within a minute or so. Other people, depending again on where they're hit, they're going to know what's going on. And certainly if you're not the first person shot, you're going to hear the gunshots. You're going to see people running. You're going to be afraid. And then all of a sudden, you're going to also feel that. It's going to be horrific. Tell me again about the bullet, the type of ammo used. Well, there are different types of ammo that can be used in these guns, typically something like a 223, um or something of that nature, but there are several different types of, of ammos, but in all cases, again, they're high-powered, and the reason that they're high-powered is because, and I don't want to get into math here, it's not my strong subject, but the velocity or the speed of that bullet is something around 3,200 feet per second, per se. Um, a handgun is much, much slower than that, so the killing power if you will is a little less um and that's what makes these so dangerous it's why the military used this type of gun um one similar um it's a killing machine to you lisa fine cavalli shooting survivor
1: what's your final thought today i hope that our leaders can come together
4: and do whatever it takes to make this stop it has got to stop it is um People, the ripple effect of the damage of all these innocent lives being murdered, and it seems like it's happening every week. I hope that we can get solutions. I don't care what it takes. We need solutions to this massacre of these lives. The war zone is opening up on our lives every day. We walk out of that door and we could be involved
1: in a mass shooting. It's got to stop. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grosscrumb, Story signing off. Goodbye, friend.
3: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com.
2: Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner.
0: The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road.